This morning, I want to just continue in our series called Extraordinary Living. And as I was just talking about earlier, you know, I, I just, have you noticed things are changing in our society? Just crazy. It's like it's ramping up. Things are changing so fast. And, and, uh, and you know, I, just in talking to people, even Christians, man, life is tough, isn't it? I mean, life is full of challenges and trials and tribulations. And so, you know, uh, I believe that, you know, that God has grace for us in the midst of whatever we go through and whatever we deal with in life. Y'all believe that this morning? And so we're going to continue in this series and our theme verses in John 10, 10, where it says, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Now, this is a declarative statement that Jesus makes, and he's revealing his purpose and his mission for stepping out of the comfort of heaven uh, and, and coming here to this earth to do the mission that he was called for, which was really to die on the cross, right? And so uh, you want to know what motivated Jesus to step out of heaven? It's right here. He came that we might live above average lives. Amen. You know, his heart is for people. And, uh, you know, when 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 God so loved the world that he gave us his son, what motivated the father to give his son was his care for us. He didn't want us to be eternally separated from him. He didn't want us to have to struggle without any hope or help. So he gave us his son. So Jesus came knowing the purpose of his coming. And he said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Amen. And I am so grateful that the Lord cares about me. What about you? And so he came that we might live above average lives. Now, in week one, we talked about, you know, uh, to, to have an above average life, you have to, first of all, you got to learn how to walk a grace-filled life. You got you to gotta walk in grace, right? And remember, we talked about God gives us grace for redemption, which means we can be free from our past sins, mistakes, failures. Thank God for that, right? That I, we don't make one mistake and that we're done and it's over with. Thank God for the amazing grace of God. Thank God for his faithfulness that is new every morning. Amen. And I can have a fresh start today. Amen. And then we talked about the grace of God for victorious living. You know, listen, Jesus said you're going to have trouble, but God's grace is sufficient, which means whatever you go through in life, he He's saying, I got enough grace to help you get through what you go through. Amen. And then thirdly, we talked about, you know, the grace for hopeful living, a hope filled life. Some people live hopeless and discouraged and, and, and in despair. And the Lord says, my hope is the anchor of your life. Listen, you can believe and trust God for a better day tomorrow than today. The best is yet to come. Amen. And you say, Todd, you don't know what I'm facing. I don't know what you're facing, but I know this. As soon as I breathe my last, I'm going to be escorted into glory in the presence of God. And I'm going to join the host of heaven. And we're going to worship 24-7 saying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain for me. Amen. I'm telling you, we have hope, saints. Amen. Now, today, I want to talk about another important principle to an extraordinary life that I believe it, that we all need to grab a hold of, and it's, it's this. It's, it's winning the invisible battle. How many of you know we have an, an invisible battle that we have to face? And so, 
To live an extraordinary life, you have to learn how to win the invisible battle. And, you know, I've talked about this before. It seems like every time I talk about, about this topic, I mention that, you know, some people, you have two, you got two schools of thought. Some people think, man, you know, why do, why do we even mention the enemy and all that? And they just disregard that there's even a spiritual battle. And then there's people that think that everything that happens, it's a demon. It's the devil. And they blame the devil because they they got a flat tire. Amen. Well, listen, it's not everything is the devil, but God knows that we need to be reminded of that we are in a war. Amen. We're in a battle. And Ephesians 6, 12, it says for our struggle, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Now, most battles we face in life are not natural battles, they're spiritual battles. I know they look very natural because that's the world we live in. But a lot of times the natural battles we face are really not a natural battle. It's a spiritual battle. And that's what Paul is saying here. He reminds us there's a natural world and there's an invisible world. There is a a visible world, an invisible world. There's flesh and blood battles and there's spiritual battles. You know, I can't see with my naked eye, but there are atoms out here, right? In fact, there's dust particles. If we don't clean this place in just a few months, there's going to be so much dust in here, you're going to get dirty just sitting here, right? We can't see it, but it's out there. You can't see the invisible battle, but it's out there. There. there are there is an invisible war that you and I engage in. And so listen, most battles we face are really not in-law problems or outlaw problems. They're not co-worker problems. They're not flesh and blood enemies, right? But what do we normally do? It's hard for us to see beyond the person that we're dealing with at the time, right? But but Paul reminds us that, listen, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Can I remind you today? Our battle is not against people. It's against forces of darkness. Amen? And so the bottom line is many of our problems are not really natural problems. They're spiritual problems. So we need to learn how to fight. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. So it's not the enemies we can see with our natural eyes that's the main problem. It's the enemy that we can't see with our natural eyes that is the real problem. Amen? And so remember what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Until we learn how to fight our spiritual battles, we'll never live a victorious life. And so in John 10, 10, where he declares his purpose, and he says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Now, in that very same sentence, he also reveals the enemy's purpose and mission. What does he come for? He comes to kill, he comes to steal, and he comes to destroy. How many of you know that he doesn't want you to succeed. He don't want you to be blessed. He don't want you to live victorious. He don't want you to be joyful. He don't want you to be peaceful. He'll try to rob all of that from you. Amen. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief, you know, uh, in the Greek, it means klepto, where we get our word kleptomaniac from, right? And klepto means it's a picture of a professional pickpocket that is artful in the way that he steals, and he steals in ways that are nearly undetectable. 
And so the enemy doesn't show up at her door with a, with a, with a badge and says, I'm the enemy. Knock, knock, knock. I'm the enemy. I've come to steal from you today. He doesn't come like that. He's stealth. He's like an angel of light. He just wheezes his way. He just, he just works in our life. And without us knowing it, he's, he's stealing from us. And so we got to become very wise in how we deal with life. Amen. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. He'll try to steal everything from you that is valuable and a blessing from God. He'll try to kill all your hopes, dreams, and aspirations. And ultimately, he'll try to destroy your life by taking away your very will to live if we allow him to. So here's Satan's goal for you. He wants you to struggle financially, emotionally, mentally, relationally, spiritually. He wants you defeated, depressed, discouraged, and miserable. He'll do anything and everything he can to stop you from experiencing the extraordinary life that Jesus came to give us. That's why Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. But he starts off the sentence by saying, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So wouldn't you agree with this truth? To live an extraordinary life, you will have to first learn how to do spiritual warfare. You're going to have to learn how to fight spiritual battles. In Psalm, uh, there's a powerful phrase in Psalm 18 that I want to bring your attention to. It's, it's verse 34. It says, he teaches my hands to make war. He teaches. Notice that verb, teaches. I think spiritual warfare is not something we automatically know how to do. I think it's something we have to learn how to do. I had no clue. I had never even heard of spiritual warfare until I was probably 22, 23 years of age. And so you have to first learn how to do spiritual warfare if you want to win your spiritual battles. If you follow me, you're tracking with me, say amen. We got to learn how to do warfare. And, and you know, I, the good news is that God himself will teach you how to do warfare. Amen. He'll teach you how to do warfare. Sometimes whenever I talk about this subject, you know, I feel like the Lord taught me how to do warfare, but because I had to learn it or else I wouldn't have survived. You know, it's like, Todd, you're going to have to get up and fight. Or are you going to be done? And so I had to learn how to do warfare. But sometimes even whenever I'm teaching warfare, sometimes even, even in talking about it, I feel like people are looking at me like, what planet on your own? I'll tell you what planet I'm on. I'm on the kingdom of God planet that that says our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. And listen, if the enemy could accomplish one thing this morning, he would try to talk you out of the notion and try to talk you out of the belief that there is a battle and you need to learn how to engage in the spiritual battle that you're in. Amen. And so 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons of what we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, the scripture says that God has given us mighty weapons. They're spiritual weapons. They're, they're not like natural weapons like, you know, what we used to go hunting or stuff like that. It, it's spiritual weapons. And once you learn how to use these spiritual weapons, I'm telling you, the enemy's not going to push you over like he has for many years anymore. Amen. Whenever he tries to push on you, you're going to push back. Amen. And, you know, I, I felt like, you know, like, you know, sometimes we're living our life and we're trying to live this extraordinary, this overcoming, this more than, more than enough kind of life that we can bless other people around us and we can live a joyful life. And I think sometimes the enemy just pushes us and he tries to 
bully us. And he tries to say, no, you're not going to live that life. You're not going to have that life. And so I think for, for, uh, for this morning, I think I want to just encourage you to just roll up your sleeves a little bit and, and just get that fighting attitude, not the fight like going out in the street and fight, but the spiritual fight that, listen, I'm going to learn my spiritual weapons. I'm going to use my spiritual weapons and I'm going to quit getting pushed over by the enemy another day or another time. Amen. And I believe some of you in this room today that you've been pushed on for long enough. And I believe this morning you're going to put your foot down and you're going to stand up for the rights that God has given you. And you're going to start winning the battle that you've been facing for a long time. Amen. Let me tell you about some of these weapons that God has given us. Four of them to be exact. Number one, the weapon of worship. Now, the mightiest weapon we have to engage in spiritual warfare is the weapon of worship. Now, a lot of people don't make the connection, worship and warfare. But all through the scripture, you'll see the parallel of worship and warfare. Why is worship a weapon of warfare? I think it's because of this. Worship ushers us into God's presence. And God's presence empowers us and equips us to do warfare. In other words, like worship is kind of like, like, like nourishing your soul so that you can fight. You know, if you don't have any energy, if you don't have any strength, if you don't have any, any, uh, you know, motivation, how are you going to win any battles? Listen, a fighter doesn't get in a rank after he's been fasting for 21 days and he has no strength. A, f- a fighter doesn't get in the rank whenever he hasn't been nurturing himself and, and, sh- and eating healthy and, and, and strengthening himself. A fighter gets in the rank whenever he's in tip-top shape. Worship, I think, gets us in spiritually tip-top shape. Amen? Psalm 22.3 says, But you are holy, O you who dwell in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. Dwell means to inhabit or to remain. In other words, he says, whenever you worship, I will come. I will dwell there. I will inhabit that place. I love worshipers. And whenever I hear people worship, I like to come hang out. That's my paraphrase. But how many of you know, whenever you worship, something happens to you, something happens in the atmosphere. It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual transaction that happens in the presence of God. The spirit of God begins. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And so listen, worship is so powerful because God dwells in the place where we worship and, and we praise. And so when the, when the believer cries out to God for help and lifts up his voice in worship, God's power and presence is released over your situation and nothing can stop your deliverance. Amen. And so listen, Psalm 149 says, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. Listen, the spiritual warfare imagery the psalmist is using here is unquestionable. And it says, so notice the order. First in verse 6, he says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. That's worship, right? 
the high praises of God be in their mouth. And then after worship, a two-edged sword in their hand. So he's saying, worship God and have your sword in your hand. Worship and warfare. When you worship, you do warfare. When you worship, you get ready to do warfare. When you get, when you worship the presence of God, the Spirit of God begins to flow in your life and you're ready to tackle the, the, the enemy and tackle the battle that you're in. Amen. And so King David, one of the greatest spiritual warriors of all time, he understood this principle and the correlation of worship and warfare. In Psalm 47 and 1, he says, clap your hands all you people shout to God with a voice of triumph for the Lord most high is awesome he is a great king over all the earth he will subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet you can see the correlation he clapping and shouting and worshiping God followed by God's deliverance and so he says clap your hands all you people shout to God with a voice of triumph and so listen every every Sunday whenever I get here and, and we have this great group of people that comes in this building. Every Sunday, there are people that are struggling, people that are battling without you knowing it. There are people that walk into this place that are battling suicide, that the enemy's trying to tell them it's no use for them to live. And when we get in this building, what I like to do is bring us all in the presence of God, because the presence of God can do more for each of us in this room than I could ever do if I could pray each for each and every one of you individually. We worship God, we get in the presence of God and in the spirit of suicide has to be broken. The spirit of depression and discouragement has to leave because where the presence of God, mountains melt like wax. When you get in the presence of God, the spirit of the Lord does supernatural things and, and warfare happens over this building. Amen? And so listen, we don't just do, you know, sing songs because we just, you know, just like music. We sing songs, we worship God because it's a biblical principle. Worship is warfare. Amen? Remember when Paulus and Silas were stripped and beaten and thrown in the prison and, and they were in, in the stocks and they were in the inner dungeon. The Bible says in Acts 16, 24, the jailer put them in their inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying, praying. And what were they doing? Singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to the foundations. All the doors immediately flew up and then the chains of every prisoner fell off. I love that. You know, I think whenever I worship chains, Chains fall off of me. When we worship as a church, chains fall off of us. Prison doors are opened up. Amen. And somebody can come in here feeling like they want to end their life and they can leave ready to go bear hunting with a switch. Amen. Because it's the presence of God. If you agree with that, say amen. The second weapon of warfare we can use to win our spiritual battles is the weapon of the name of Jesus. How many of you know there's no other name that has greater power and authority than the name of Jesus. Amen. Philippians 2 and 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and he gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. You know what I found? There's more people that are willing to say God than they are willing to say Jesus. But when you say Jesus, there's power and authority in the name of Jesus. Amen? There is no name 
that the forces of darkness know better and respond to more than the name of Jesus. And so God exalted him to the highest place and he gave him authority over everything in heaven and earth and under the earth. So when you're fighting your spiritual battles through warfare, invoke or use the name of Jesus. He gave you permission. Amen. It's not like we're doing it and we're abusing his name. No, we're doing it to win our battle, saints. Amen. I love what Mark 16, 17 says. And these signs will accompany those who believe. How many believers I, I have in here today? In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with, with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. Jesus says, basically, when believers call upon my name and use my name, invoke my name, supernatural things will happen. Amen. Now, listen, I, I, I hate snakes. Only good snake is a dead one. I don't want to touch no snake. I don't want to be around a snake. You can have all the snakes. But listen, so I'm not going to try to carry a snake and see if it's going to bite me and if I'm going to live. But bless God, I have power and authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so, you know, learning the power and authority of the name of Jesus, I, you know, I, whenever I think about it, the first time I understood and I learned the power of the name of Jesus was whenever I was in Haiti. And, and you heard me tell the story, but I, I want to tell it again because, you know, this is where God, God teaches you how to do warfare, right? But, you know, we were in Haiti. We had a few pastors. We went to an orphanage. They were showing us. They were rescuing these kids. They are giving them an education and all this. And just before we got ready to leave, the, the, uh, the director of the orphanage said, can you pray for this child? He's been very sick. We don't know if he's going to make it. Can you pray for him? And we started praying for this kid. They, they had him laying on a mat uh, on the, outside while the other kids were playing around. And so we, we got around him. And I remember praying. And we were just praying and said, Jesus, you know, Lord, we know you're the healer. Whenever I said Jesus, something happened. This kid was just living, just lying there unresponsive. His eyes closed, not moving a muscle. When I said the name of Jesus, he started slivering like a snake and his tongue started coming out, hissing like a snake. And all of us looked at each other with our eyes about that big and like, whoa. But so the name of Jesus caused something to happen. And quickly we realized this kid has some, you know, there's a lot of voodoo. There's a lot of darkness there in Haiti. This kid had demonic oppression on him. He, he, demons were, were in, involved in his life. And so we started taking authority in, in the name of Jesus, breaking the power of darkness. And you know, all of a sudden, something supernaturally happened. His eyes opened. He calmed down. He was still as can be. We moved on. A couple of days later, we got a report. He was totally healed and delivered, and he got set free. You know what I learned that day? There is power in the name of Jesus. Even while I'm saying it right here from this stage, when I say the name of Jesus, some heaven responds. All Everything in the spirit realm hears and knows the name that is above every name. Every knee is going to bow to the name of Jesus. Amen? So let me encourage you. When you're fighting spiritual battles through warfare, prayer, call upon and invoke the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes whenever I'm going through a tough time. I'm in a, some spiritual battle. I'll say it over and over again. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So 
somebody might look at me and funny and it's like, man, I think he hurt you the first time. No, it's not for him. It's for me. I need to call on the name of Jesus. He knows who he is. I need to call on his name. And the more I call on his name, the more I feel something in the spirit realm is beginning to happen. As I'm speaking about his name, as I'm talking about his name right here, right now, I know there's things that are happening in the spirit realm because there's no other name. But the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. 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 So what if you started walking around your house and saying in the name of Jesus? What about if you started walking around your workplace, not so your boss could hear you, but so Jesus can hear you and say in the name of Jesus. I believe you could change the atmosphere where you go. Amen. If you agree with that, say amen. The third weapon of warfare we can use to win our spiritual battles is the weapon of the Word of God. How many of you know the Word of God is powerful? The Apostle Paul, in describing the spiritual armor of God, he uses the Roman soldier imagery to help us understand how to dress for battle, how to fight our spiritual battles, how to dress and fight our spiritual battles. And so every piece of armor he describes, he uses, is used for defensive Warfare. And so, you know, he uses the belt of truth, the belt, the breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of peace that weren't just like flip-flops. They had protection on it to protect their feet. The shield of faith. Remember, that was the shield. And when they would throw fiery darts, they would, they would quench them with the, with the shield of faith. The helmet of salvation to protect your mind and your, and, and your, your head. But then the very last piece of armor he describes is for offensive protection. It's the spiritual weapon to defend yourself and fight against the enemy. It's, it's the weapon that you use to get on the offense and not just stay on the defense, right? How many of you know that you can't win if you just stay on the defense? You got to get on the offense if you want to win the battle, right? And so Ephesians 6, 17, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. The word of God is our spiritual sword that we must use to win our spiritual battle. So now what does that mean? Do you grab your Bible and you walk around doing like this with the Bible and say, there's my sword. Enemy, where you at? Here's my sword. No, I don't think so. This is not how Jesus used the word. But you remember when Jesus defeated the enemy, whenever he was, uh, when Satan attacked him in the wilderness. Remember that, right? And he used the word of God to counter the enemy's attacks. And if we, if you look at the story, it helps us to understand how to use our sword. And so he says, uh, three times the enemy attacked and attempted him, and three times he quoted the word of God. He used his sword. In Luke 4, 3, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Notice he said, it is written, and then he tipped in a second time, verse 7, Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. You know, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, so you can have these if you worship me. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Right? Then he tempted him a third time, verse 10, For it is written, Now the enemy is using the word of God. It is written, He will give command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. How many of you know the devil will try to use the word against you? 
That's what he did to Jesus. But Jesus defeated the enemy and he won the spiritual battle by using the spiritual sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. And so I think sometimes we're trying to win the battle and we, we put on the armor. We have salvation. We have truth and we have the breastplate of righteousness. The Lord has forgiven us and we have our shield and, and, and we're just trying to, you know, just trying to defend ourselves. And the Lord is saying, would you pull that sword out of your sheath? Would you pull that word out and start using that word? If you want to win your battles, use the sword of, use that weapon of your sword and start getting on the offense. Come on, get out of the corner and start taking your ground everywhere, everywhere you put your foot I've given to you. Come on, go into the promised land and quit living in Egypt, trying to survive in Egypt. Come on in and receive what I have for you. Amen. Amen. I believe this is for somebody. The word of God is powerful. Amen. So I want to encourage you to use your spiritual weapon when you're fighting your spiritual battles. And so knowing and declaring the word of God helps you defeat the spiritual attacks of the enemy. And I, what I encourage is just find you a scripture to hold on to. How many of you know you don't need to know the whole Bible? You just, you just need one verse. Like Jesus says, it is written, right? And so you need a verse, right? You need one verse that you can use as your sword. You know, and, and just to, to give you an example of, you know, I just thinking about how many times the word of God has helped me overcome a battle. We're talking about extraordinary living. More than enough life, abundant life, enough life where people around you get blessed. Amen. You know, sometimes I think we're just so just struggling in life. People get around us. They're not receiving life. They're just like, come on, you need some help. You want me to help? Come on. I believe the Lord is wanting to make us strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he wants us to live an extraordinary life. Amen. So, you know, I remember, you know, again, my story is my story. So somebody said, man, Todd, I heard that story. Well, pardon me. Hear it again, okay? You know, whenever I was in the oil field, one of the, one of the issues that I struggled with, a major battle in my life, was fear. I was working one day. A guy died on me at work, uh, and, and it, just, it just freaked me out. And so I was very afraid of the dark, death, all of that. And so my job uh, allowed or required me to go to the office and, uh, and, and, and get equipment ready in the middle of the night. They called. I had to go. It could be two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock. It didn't matter. I had to go. And so I got the call after my friend died at work. I got a call in the middle of the night. Todd, I need you to go to the shop. We got a hot shot truck coming. You got to go unload him. And, and so, uh, he'll be here be there in 45 minutes. So I get in my truck. I'm headed towards Camco and the fear became so intense that I could hardly breathe. And I was like, man, I got to go in that warehouse where my buddy died, I'm, and I'm afraid, and there's a big warehouse. They got to be some boogeymans in there somewhere, <laughs> and, and, and I'll never know they're there, and they'll hit me over the head, and I'm going to be done before I know it. And I remember when I got to the gate, I was, I was, my hands were trembling, and, and all of a sudden I remembered, the verse, Psalm 23, 1, you know, the Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But it was verse 4 that really got me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. I kept quoting that. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I said it the first time and it was just like, 
I know that already. I know that verse. And I'd say it again. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil. My sword is swinging. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm swinging it at the spirit of fear. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And all of a sudden. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It was like somebody poured all over me. I got the free songs. And the spirit of fear broke. I opened the gate. Went in there. Oh, Just did the business that I almost lost lost my job because I couldn't overcome the spirit of fear. Now I just told my story. What's your story? What's your battle? You need to pull out your sword and quit submitting to the fear of the enemy and the plan of the enemy. Fight your fight. Use your sword and win your battle. Amen. Can I tell you one more? Oh, I love telling my story. Don't you love telling your story? Whenever my grandmother died, it was the first person that died in my family that was really close. And I can remember being at the hospital. I was at the foot of the bed. All my family was around there. And when she, when she breathed her last and she died, the, like this cloak of grief came over me. The spirit of grief came over me. And, and, and it left with me from the hospital. Right, anybody can track with me here? And so fear was a problem, but grief was a problem. My grandmother was like a second mom. We lived in the same yard. She's the one that made me coffee milk in the morning. You know what I mean? And so, so you know, so I'm grieving. And I'm saying, man, what am I going to do with this? I can't operate like this. I was getting depressed. I was getting discouraged. And God gave me a verse. He gave me one verse. Psalm 53. Well, maybe two. Two verses. Psalm 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs. And he carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. I always saw that verse as, by his stripes we're healed physically. But I want you to know, not only did he buy bear stripes on his back so we could be healed physically, but so we can be healed emotionally. Listen, I can't bring my grandma back. I miss my grandma. But listen, I can live an extraordinary life, even though my grandma's in heaven. I can live my life, and I can live the way God wants me to live, because Jesus bore stripes on his back, and he took my grief and my sorrow, so I don't have to live under it. The sword of the Spirit, amen. Use your sword and win your victory. If you got that, say, I got that. The fourth and final weapon of warfare God has given us is the weapon of spirit-filled prayer. Spirit-filled prayer. The Apostle Paul is describing the spiritual armor uh, of God in Ephesians 6, and he ends his description and gives us this admonition in verse 18. He says, pray in the spirit. At all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Notice he says, pray in the spirit. We need to pray spirit-filled prayers. What does praying in the spirit mean? What does spirit-filled prayers mean? Well, I think it could mean a number of things. But number one, I believe praying in the spirit means praying in your prayer language. And and in 1 Corinthians 14, the apostle Paul says this in verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but when my mind, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall, what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit and I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit and I will sing with my mind. Listen, you know, even in church, a lot of people are, are just 
bashful about praying in their prayer language, praying and getting baptized in the Spirit. But brothers and sisters, you can you could give me a million dollars. I'm not giving you my prayer language. I, it's the power of God for me. And I notice that whenever I pray in the Spirit, something supernatural happens in the inside of me. And I get strengthened like Jude 20 says. I, my faith gets built up. I know I'm doing, I'm doing warfare. I know I'm doing damage to the kingdoms of darkness. And I can change my situation by just praying in the Spirit. Spirit. Amen. I also believe that praying in the spirit means praying with spiritual authority. And, and in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, bind means to forbid from happening. Loose means to release over circumstances and situations. So through prayer, we can forbid the enemy from succeeding. Listen, if I start feeling discouraged, if I start feeling depressed, it's a sign to me that I need to do warfare. And so I resist. The Bible says, resist, submit to God and resist the enemy. So I'm not going to let the enemy just put this cloak of discouragement and depression and grief and fear and whatever else he wants to put on me, not without me putting up a fight. I'll say in the name of Jesus, in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, I break discouragement off of me. I break oppression off of me. And I'm telling you, you can change your situation if you learn how to pray spirit-filled prayers in the authority that Jesus has given you. He said, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, you know, I believe I can release angels over this building right now as I pray. I think I can release blessings over this building right now. I believe I can change the atmosphere in this building through prayer. It's spirit-filled authority that God has given the believer. Stand up, man of God. Stand up, woman of God. Come on, don't do like Barney Fife and not and just barely, you know, shoot yourself in the foot. Pull out your sword. Use the spirit-filled prayer and let God use you to win your spiritual battle. Amen. Y'all receive this this morning. Amen. Amen. I think spirit-filled prayers is praying with fervor. James said in James 5.16, confess your faults to one another, pray for one another that you might be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, fervent prayer, I think, is a red-hot prayer. It's an earnest prayer. It's a confident prayer. It's a prayer from the heart. It's a prayer that is filled with the boldness of a warrior that says, listen, I'm not just wasting my breath. I'm not just like, I'm, I don't have this water gun here trying to win my battle. Man, I got, I got artillery, spiritual artillery. Come on, one can chase a thousand and two can chase ten thousand. Come on, you are a mighty man, a woman of God, and you need to win your spiritual battle so you can live the extraordinary life. Amen? Amen. Well, do me a favor. Stand with me this morning. Woo, glory. Well, I done just preach myself happy. Amen? Oh, come on. How many of you feel victory this morning? Come on. How many of you feel yourself rising up this morning? Come on. Just give him a shout of praise. It's warfare. Amen? It's warfare. It's warfare, man. It's warfare. I think there's too many people going to church day in and day out that are discouraged, they're depressed. They're living defeated. And God said, I've come that you might have life, extraordinary life, abundant life, more than life. 
And I think God's wanting us to rise up and win the battle. Amen. Praise the Lord. We can't live an extraordinary life until we first learn how to win our, our invisible battles. You're going to be in them. Paul said, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but we are in a battle. And whether we realize it or not, they're demons. They're, they're angelic beings called demons, demonic forces that operate in life. And they will try to discourage us. And you say, well, Todd, I'm a Christian. The enemy can't do that. Listen, the enemy attacked Jesus. He attacked Jesus. You think he's not going to attack you? That's where you got to get your you got to get your your mind right. Amen. Come on. But listen, Jesus defeated the enemy. Colossians tells us he disarmed the enemy. He took the keys away from him. He put them under his feet so we can put them under our feet. Amen. Amen. You can't win your spiritual battles till you learn how to do spiritual warfare. And you can't do spiritual warfare effectively till you become spiritually empowered by God. And you can't become spiritually empowered by God until you first become a believer. You know, there's a, there's a story in the, in the Bible where, you know, people tried to use the power of God to, to do spiritual battles and, and they got, they, they left naked. They ran away naked. You gotta be born again, Jesus said. You need two births, a natural birth and a spiritual birth. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's realizing that you're a sinner. You need your sins forgiven. You got to repent. You got to ask God to forgive you. And that's where the breastplate of righteousness comes from. And the helmet of salvation comes from. If you hear this morning, you say, Todd, I'm not sure I ever did that. I remember, I'm not sure I ever asked Jesus to forgive me genuinely, sincerely, and give my life to Christ. Would you pray for me today? Would you bow your head with me and just, just be respectful of everybody in here? If that's you today, you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ and become a Christian. Would you pray for me? Just lift your hand. Just lift it up real quick. Just hold it up so I can see it. I see your hand, sir, right over here. Ma'am, right over here. Anywhere else? Anywhere else? Right over here, I see your hand. Thank you for just, come on, this is this is the day right here. This is the time. This is the appointed time for you to start winning your spiritual battles. Those of you that raised your hand, we're going to pray together. Just pray this prayer from your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for winning your battle and surrendering to the will of the Father so my sins could be forgiven. I'm asking you to forgive me. I repent. I want to turn from every wicked way. And I want to live my life for you. Help me, Jesus, to live my life as a servant of the Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, there's a card in the pew. Yes, amen. There's a card in the pew that says, I made a decision. If you take the time to fill that out, bring it into the lobby. We're going to have baptism at the second service. You can stay here. We got extra shorts. And, you know, baptism is an important thing. You know, I was just listening to somebody unpack that old principle. But how many of you know, baptism is a step of obedience. And, and you know, if, if you can't, if you're not willing to stand up for Jesus in public, you need some more conviction in your life. Amen. And, and I believe it's a watery grave when you get baptized. It's, it's not only just a symbol, but, but I think something supernatural happens. Amen. So I encourage you to be baptized today if you hadn't already. Come on. How many of you believe that God has called you to win your battles? 
Can we just take a minute? Let's just take a minute. And let's do a little warfare right now. Come on, how many of you, I don't know. I believe the enemy's got some plans and some tactics that I want to cancel right now over my life, over my family, over your life and your family. Come on, let's just declare, let's declare it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare right now, in the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We forbid every plan and tactic of the enemy from succeeding in our family, our life, our home, our children, our grandchildren, our finances, our business, our emotions. In the name of Jesus, we declare right now through the power of prayer, Lord, that Lord, we greater is he that is in us. Lord, we swing our sword. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I declare right now through the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, every plan of darkness is broken. We drive out oppression, discouragement, the spirit of suicide. We cancel it. We break its power. We break grief and fear. We break its power, break its hope. Command it to leave right now in Jesus' name. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. We declare victory in the house of the Lord today. We pray in the mighty and in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody that agreed shouted and said amen. 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 I didn't have time to unpack this, but one of the ways you do warfare, sometimes you just link your arms with somebody else and you get somebody to pray with you. One can chase a thousand, two can chase 10,000. You get people around you to pray with you, believe with you. People will be up here to pray if you need prayer, come up. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen. Be blessed as you go.